Hello, I'm Wimala, and today is May the 26th, and it's a beautiful Thursday. Not very sunny here, kind of muggy. We had a lot of rain yesterday, so when all the other places that I see are experiencing fires and already such dry, hot weather, I'm grateful that we're having rain, maybe an abundance of rain. Um, in some spots, maybe too much rain, but it's certainly, uh, I'm certainly great, able to be grateful for it. This, the world is on fire, and so this water that we have, at least, is quenching that in one sense, right? Well, we've been reading from Lama Yeshe's book, and he's a Tibetan Lama, uh, becoming your own therapist, and he was—he died in 1985, I think. So this book was written. Most of this book was is from talks that he gave in '75, and so there's a short talk, and then a Q&A. Sometimes the Q&A gets off on just other questions people have that aren't so focused on the topic, but several of I'm trying to pick out the qu- questions that kind of go along with what he's talking about or something that I think uh, it doesn't get us way off track. So this is the second section. This is really two little books combined. So it's even even better. Part one is uh, becoming your own therapist and part two that we've just we just have been we're on part two of, we're on chapter two of part two, is make your mind an ocean. So today let's read from A Buddhist Approach to Mental Illness. I was born, and these are from talks, and this is from a talk, I think a lot of his talks were done in California. The last one was done in Australia, though. I was born near Lhasa the capital of Tibet, and educated at Sarah Monastic University, one of the three great monasteries in Lhasa. There they taught us how to bring an end to human problems, not so much the problems people face in their relationship to the external environment, but the internal mental problems we all face. That was what I studied, Buddhist psychology, how to treat mental illness. For the past 10 years, I have been working with Westerners, experimenting to see if Buddhist psychology also works for the Western mind. In my experience, it has been extremely effective. Recently, some of these students invited me to the West to give lectures and meditation courses. So here I am. We Lamas think that the main point is that human problems arise primarily from the mind, not from the external environment, but rather than my talking about things that you might find irrelevant, perhaps it would be better for you to ask specific questions so I can address directly the issues that are of most interest to you. And then uh, Dr. Stan Gold is, I guess, the host. 
says, thank you very much for coming. Could I start by asking what you mean by mental illness? Lama. By mental illness, I mean the kind of mind that does not see reality, a mind that tends to either exaggerate or underestimate the qualities of the person or object it perceives, which always causes problems to arise. In the West, you wouldn't consider this to be mental illness, but, the, in, but Western psychology's interpretation is too narrow. If someone is obviously emotionally disturbed, you consider that to be a problem. But if someone has a fundamental inability to see reality, to understand his or true nature, you don't. Not knowing your own basic mental attitude is a huge problem. Human problems are more than just emotional distress or disturbed relationships. In fact, those are tiny problems. It's as if there's this huge ocean of problems below, but all we see are the small waves on the surface. We focus on those. Oh yes, that's a big problem. While ignoring the actual cause, the dissatisfied nature of the human mind. It's difficult to see, but we consider people who are unaware of the nature of their dissatisfied mind to be mentally ill. Their minds are not healthy. Lama Yeshe, how do you go about treating mental illness? How do you help people with mental illness? Yes, good, wonderful. My way of treating mental illness is to try to have the person analyze the basic nature of his own problem. I try to show him or her the true nature of the mind, of that person's mind, so that with his own mind he can understand his own problems. If he can do that, he can solve his own problems himself. I don't believe that I can solve his problems by simply talking to him a little. That might make him feel a little better, but it's very transient relief. The root of his problems reaches deep into his mind. As long as it's there, changing circumstances will cause more problems to emerge. My method is to have him check his own mind in order to gradually see its true nature. I've had the experience of giving someone a little advice and having him think, Oh great, my problem's gone. Lama solved it with just a few words. But that's a fabrication. He's just making it up. There's no way you can understand your own mental problems without your becoming your own psychologist. It's impossible. How do you help people understand these problems? How do you go about it? I try to show them the psychological aspect of their nature, how to check their own minds. Once they know this, they can check and solve their own problems. I try to teach them an approach. So what precisely is the method that you teach for looking at the mind's true nature? Basically, it's a form of checking or analytical knowledge wisdom. Is it a kind of meditation? Yes, analytical or checking 
meditation. How do you do that? How do you teach someone to check? Let me give you an example. Say I have a good feeling about somebody. I have to ask myself, why do I feel good about this person? What makes me feel this way? By investigating this, I might find that it's just because he was nice to me once or that there's some other similar, small, illogical reason. I love him because he did this or that. It's the same thing if I, if I feel bad about someone. I don't like him because he did such and such. But if you look more deeply to see if those good or bad qualities really exist, within the person you may see, that your discrimination of friend or enemy is based on very superficial, illogical reasoning. You're basing your judgment on insignificant qualities, not on the totality of the other person's being. You see some quality you label as good or bad, perhaps something the person said or did, and then exaggerate it out of all proportion. Then you become agitated by what you perceive. Through checking, you can see that there's no reason to discriminate in the way that you do. It only keeps you fettered, uptight, and in suffering. This kind of checking analyzes not the other person, but your own mind in order to see how you feel and to determine what kind of discriminating mind makes you feel that way. This is a fundamentally different approach to analysis from the Western one, which focuses excessively on external factors and not enough on the part played by the mind in people's experience. Remember, he's talking, too, from 1975, so some of the newer advances in uh, neuroscience may have changed a lot of this in terms of Western psychology, but I digress. Next question. So you say that the problem lies more within the person and don't agree with the point of view that it is society that makes people sick. And his answer, yes. For example, I have met many Western people who've had problems with society. They're angry with society, with their parents, with everything. When they understand the psychology I teach, they think, ridiculous, I've always blamed society. But actually, the real problem has been inside of me all along. Then they become courteous human beings, respectful of society, their parents, their teachers, and all other people. You can't blame society for our problems. Why do people mix things up like that? It is because they don't know their own true nature. The environment, ideas, and philosophies can be contributory causes but primarily problems come from one's own mind. Of course, the way society is organized can agitate some people, but the issues are usually small. Unfortunately, people tend to exaggerate them and get upset. This is how it is with society, but anyone who thinks the world can exist without it is dreaming. 
Lama, what do you find in the ocean of a person's nature? When I use that expression, I'm saying that people's problems are like an ocean, but we see only the superficial waves. We don't see what lies beneath them. Oh, I have a problem with him. If I get rid of him, I'll solve my problem. It's like looking at electrical appliances without understanding that it's the underlying electricity that makes them function. What kind of problems do we find below the waves? In the Lama's answer, dissatisfaction, the dissatisfied mind, is the fundamental element of human nature. We're dissatisfied with ourselves. We're dissatisfied with the outside world. That dissatisfaction is like an ocean. That dissatisfaction is what we call dukkha. So underlying everything is that dissatisfaction that we constantly feel. His next question, do you ask the other person questions about himself or how he feels to help him understand himself? Sometimes we do, but usually we don't. Some people have quite specific problems. In such cases, it can help to know exactly what those problems are so that we can offer precise solutions. But it's not usually necessary because basically everybody's problems are the same. How much time do you spend talking with that person to find out about his problem and how to deal with it? As you know, in Western psychiatry, we spend a great deal of time with patients to help them discover the nature of their problems for themselves. Do you do the same thing or do you do it differently? Our methods don't require us to spend much time with people individually. We explain the fundamental nature of problems and the possibility of transcending them. Then we teach basic techniques of working with problems. They practice these techniques. After a while, we check to see what their experience has been. You're saying that basically everybody has the same problems. Yes, right. East, West, it's basically the same thing. But in the West, people have to be clinically ill before you'll say that they're sick. That's too superficial for us. According to Lord Buddha's psychology and Lama's experience, sickness runs deeper than just the overt expression of clinical symptoms. As long as the ocean of dissatisfaction remains within you, the slightest change in the environment can be enough to bring out a problem. As far as we're concerned, even being susceptible to future problems means that your mind is not healthy. All of us here are basically the same in that our minds are dissatisfied. As a result, a tiny change in our external circumstances can make us sick. Why? Because the basic problem is within our minds. It's much more important to eradicate the basic problem 
than to spend all our time trying to deal with superficial, emotional ones. This approach doesn't cease our continual experience of problems. It merely substitutes a new problem for the one we believe we've just solved. Is my basic problem the same as his basic problem? Yes, everybody's basic problem is what we call ignorance, not understanding the nature of the dissatisfied mind. As long as you have this kind of mind, you're in the same boat as everybody else. The inability to see reality is not an exclusively Western problem or an exclusively Eastern problem. It's a human problem. The basic problem is not knowing the nature of your mind. Right, yes. And everybody's mind has the same nature. Yes, the same nature. Each person has the same basic problems. Problem. Yes, but there are differences. For example, a hundred years ago, people in the West had certain kinds of problems. Largely through technical development, they solved many of them. But now different problems have arisen in their stead. That's what I'm saying. New problems replace the old ones, but they're still problems because the basic problem remains. The basic problem is like an ocean. The ones we try to solve are just the waves. It's the same in the East. In India, people experience prob- in, the, in India, problems people experience in the villages are different from those experienced by people who live in the capital, New Delhi. But they're still problems. East, West, the basic problem is the same. Let's see. We probably should stop right now, according to my watch. So tomorrow we can read more. There are a lot of, uh, this is mostly Q&A, and it's, it's an important topic. He's talking about how he and how these uh, the Tibetan lamas understand mental problems. And this is a very long, there's several more pages, so... Everything comes from the mind is the next chapter, but we will finish a Buddhist approach to mental illness. We're working with the waves, but underneath is the deep ocean, which is dissatisfaction and not seeing the world as it really is. So why don't we sit together and then tomorrow we'll continue with more questions and then We'll sit again tomorrow, too. So, for a bit. And again, when you sit, to really be present and to help you relax, it's a good idea. If you start with a few breaths to begin, Inhale, pay attention to your breathing, to the breathing. Inhale, long inhale. And let the exhale be longer. 
Do this two or three times. And as you're breathing, really be aware as you exhale that this is moving down your entire body. Let that relaxation move all the way through your body. And doing a complete body scan, like I think we did yesterday, or a Tuesday, that can be very helpful. So you might relax just the top part of your body or your head, maybe even your chest, but you might be missing, you might have a lot of tension in the lower half of your body. Very important to relax your body, relax your mind. Just be with the breath now. Let your hands be in your lap, either palms down on your upper legs or palms up if that feels better or you can have one palm cupped inside the other whatever is comfortable for you and also allows your body to feel uh, relaxed and helps you feel uh, like your chest is opening up So just say to yourself, just let go, let go. Let go and let things be.
Stay with each breath. And if you find that you've wandered away from the breath, just gently come back and just have that light sense of attention on your breath just to help you stay stay away from getting caught up in stories. You might start thinking about something you need to do. Just come back to the breath every time you notice that. And when we practice this way, relaxing the body, focusing on the breath, and just being with ourselves, this is helping us get below just the waves. This is the path. When we we develop then then a more still, stable mind. We're able to work with the things that arise, the things that try to pull us away from our silence. Then we can have that curious mind to look at those things. So if you can, you can just continue sitting. But even if you take these few minutes a day, and every day sit with yourself, you're learning to go deep, deep in the ocean. Get below the waves. It's a beautiful image. 
May everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all sentient beings. May you all be well and content and patient. Thank you. I'll be here tomorrow.